This is the World Industrial News for Tuesday, March 15th, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part six of their podcast, Sustainability and COP26, right now. Absolutely. And thank you, Lisa. Well said about COP26 and the significance. And, and I completely agree when it comes to corporates, um, we are adopting science-based targets, which is you can think about it as like the gold standard out there, which is most aggressive and pushing companies to limit their emissions um, in alignment with 1.5 degrees Celsius, which means that we don't want to hit that threshold. Otherwise, there will be devastating effects um, impacting economies and countries. So sort of that's the gold standard that Aviva has adopted. And when we are submitting, we are being very specific about what strategies we are going to take to reduce our scope one, two and three direct and indirect emissions. We are not saying we'll only do things at our offices, but we are saying we are going to look at our value chain, how we do business with suppliers, how we think about business travel, which in the pre-COVID world, as you know, is sort of one of the biggest sources of emissions. We are also going above and beyond where we are looking at the impacts of our software when our customers are using using our softwares, how energy intensive they are and what steps can be taken to to sort of measure and reduce them. So there are, from a business perspective, I think it's really critical to think about the full value chain scope and not just think about what I can do at an operational level. So you're kind of saying that having conversations with these people in your value chain, your partners, your customers, getting them all sort of on board working towards a single goal can have maybe you would call it like a force multiplier effect. Yeah, absolutely. And when we look at the in in ways as to how we are going to reduce emissions, let's say from our procured goods and services, where we have thousands of suppliers um, that we work with. That's where we are really engaging with external groups, even our peers and competitors, both at local and national levels, because in a way, most corporates, they they share some of the suppliers and customers, right? So the ask is pretty much the same. Like we want everyone to reduce emissions. We are trying to sort of figure out how unified we can be in that messaging. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. In an address on March 10th at the Sarah Week Conference in Houston, Texas, U.S. Environmental Protection Energy Administrator Michael S. Reagan promised an integrated suite of power plant regulations covering a wide range of pollutants in the coming year. The Ukraine war throws a monkey wrench into already stressed metals and mineral supply chain, which has been rocked over the past two years by pandemic lockdowns, geopolitical issues, and weather events. This has led to volatile and record-high commodity prices for many metals and minerals. Now, with the West severing ties with Russian-owned metals and minerals producers, there's even more upward pressure on commodity prices, and supply chains will need to be reconfigured for important Russian-produced energy fuels, including coal and uranium and metals, including aluminum, cobalt, nickel, and platinum group metals. This is important not only for the U.S., but especially for European countries, where an energy crisis has already shuttered a number of high-energy-consuming smelters. 
While there may be some lingering pandemic-related impacts on the state economy, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas said it expected hiring to be strong across Texas for the year. Using a national forecast for gross domestic product, the number of hospitalizations due to COVID-19, and oil futures prices, the Dallas Fed said it expected to see hiring increase by 2.9% for the year. And French battery startup Vercor has picked the port city of Dunkirk, France, as the location for the country's first electric vehicle battery gigafactory. After evaluating 40 sites around France, Spain, and Italy, the company opted for Dunkirk on the northern coast for a number of key reasons, including access to a very large site, power, skilled workforce, scalability, proximity to customers, and its key investment partner, carmaker Renault. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck reporting for Industrial Info News.